everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. So what does Minnie Pearl, Taylor Swift, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher have to do with my next guest? Or how about Southern charm, good looks, selling books, and being a, quote, caucus of one? Or maybe death threats, quote, the life of Julia? And the importance of mentors will pique your interest? Whatever the case, you won't want to miss what the following will answer. In her latest must-read, The Mind of a Conservative Woman Seeking the Best for Family and Country. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a high honor indeed, the first woman ever elected to the United States Senate from the great state of Tennessee, having represented the 7th District in the United States Congress for 16 years and state senator for four. Known for her mastery of the political process, fiery defense of her principles and her wit, a mother of two, grandmother Tutu, and wife to husband Chuck for 40 plus years, and this just for starters. Please welcome the Honorable Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator Blackburn, welcome to Testimony. I am so delighted to join you and your audience. Thank you for having me on today. Well, it's an honor to have you, a Senator. Your book, The Mind of a Conservative Woman, is such an inspiring read. Could not put it down <laughs> and doubt anyone picking it up will either. So let's get right to it. Newt Gingrich wrote the foreword to your book, joining a list of, quote, who's who, heartily endorsing your work, some of which include Ambassador Nikki Haley, former Governor Mike Huckabee, country music artist John Rich, and Academy Award-nominated screenwriter Roger L. Simon, whose endorsement seemed to encapsulate, and I quote, quote, Has Margaret Thatcher emerged from small-town Laurel, Mississippi? That may be what you conclude after reading Tennessee Marsha Blackburn's compelling and entertaining The Mind of a Conservative Woman, part autobiography, part political theory, part self-help for beleaguered conservative women and men. Blackburn's is the best book by a working politician in years and a must-read for our times. That said, Senator Blackburn, briefly, Will you share with our listeners how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and how that relationship powers who and where you are today? Oh, yes. Thank you so much for that opportunity. For me, coming to faith is something that I saw lived out around me every single day. And I was so fortunate to be born into a home at your faith was something that would guide every step that you ever took and believed in the goodness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I had the opportunity to grow up in the church and to understand what Christian citizenship was about. 
and to understand that it was very important that we always give back more than we took and that we strive to leave things in better shape than we found them. And having that strong foundation and having that big circle of family and extended family around me, um, having friends of our family that were right there with us was so vitally important to helping form that foundation. And when I went to college and then married and my husband and I started our family, these were the same values and positions we wanted to impart to our children. And of course, then as I moved on to public service, uh, it serves as a basis for who I am and how I work. Indeed, I say my guiding five principles is that every day I get up to go fight to protect faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. In a quote from your book, and I quote here now, liberalism creates a bitter, snarling, grasping war of interest groups that serves no one well and makes us all morally smaller, less visionary human beings. Conservatism stands against all of this. So question, does this explain the reason you are a conservative woman, Senator Marsha Blackburn, or is there more? And if yes, explain. One of the things that we know is that when you look at liberalism, they want to take power for the central government. That's one of the things you regularly hear. The Democratic Party focuses on power in a larger centralized government. In essence, what they will say is give government the power and government will give back to you what you need. And it doesn't matter if it is through agencies like the EPA or issues like health care or tax policy. They want more coming to the central government and then giving back what they think you need. Now, on the other hand, when you look at conservative policy, Republican policy, the view is that you need a small centralized government, that government should be up on for the people, and it should be there to help protect the rights, the God-given rights, and the freedoms of the people, not to take them away and give them to government. And one of the things to remember with that is that once government takes a right, or once the government steps in and performs something that the private sector should, then government will say, we have the right to take this, to keep it, and to give you what we think you should have. But if we decide you don't need that, we can take it away. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Senator Marsha Blackburn. Her latest must-read, The Mind of a Conservative Woman. Marsha, you talk about in your book Obama's quote, The Life of Julia, and why even The Atlantic magazine mocked its perspective of women, a.k.a. a Stepford wife of liberalism. Can you explain? 
Absolutely. During the 2008 campaign, the Obama campaign came out with this storyline, and it was about all that Obama was going to do for women. And in essence, this child at three years of age goes to Head Start. They continue to follow the child through her life. As she grows up, she goes to college, and the provider of her needs at every step. She finishes her education, takes her job, has a child of her own, and then comes to the age of retirement at age 67. Who is there as the main provider for her? It is the federal government. And this just shows you where the left goes. They see the federal government not as somebody who should be there as a last option but they see it as the first and preferred option. So the life of Julia, going through and looking at this and realizing what they are pushing for in this um, narrative that they had was just absolutely astounding to me. And so many women I want, they, they will tell you, uh, they'll say, you know, I'm not necessarily Democrat or Republican. I'm independent. I look at the issues. I look at what is going on with different candidates. Then I make up my mind. And I started asking women, I would say, well, tell me what is important to you. And what I would hear would be things like, well, I want somebody who's going to abide by the Constitution. Or I want someone who believes in the rule of law. I think everybody should abide by the rule of law because we are a nation of laws. I want somebody who's going to work to get government off my back, out of my pocketbook. I want my children to have freedom and be able to grow up and live their version of the American dream. So that's the kind of thing that I would hear. And you know what? That is basically a conservative construct. And I realize women don't want that intervention by the federal government. What they want is the ability to make decisions for their family, whether it's health care or education, whether it is about their job. They want to be able to make those decisions, not the federal government. Now, one of the things, and you mentioned the Stepford Wives of liberalism, and I will tell you, the reason I wrote a chapter about this is because I know everybody has been watching uh, TV, and they will see news reports where members of Congress and the news anchors, all of you, and the pundits, they use the same words, same phrases, same inflection in those phrases, and you know that they have all gotten their talking point for that day, and they're repeating the same thing over and over. And this is one of the distinctions between liberals and conservatives. Liberals like the institution and like institutions to have control. Uh, Look at what they're doing on education. And they want it centralized and dished out from Washington, D.C. Conservatives believe in the individual. That's why you don't hear conservatives using the same talking points 
over and over. And uh, I think it's a an important distinction because conservatives know you give someone information, they are going to make up their mind. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Marsha Blackburn, her latest must-read, The Mind of a Conservative Woman. Marsha, if I may, you won a four-year legislative battle to make Tennessee a, quote, no-income state tax place to live and work, resulting in the flourishing economy it is today. Talk about the importance of fighting the good fight, even if initially you have to do it alone and against all odds. Yes, and this was an against all odds battle, believe you me. I was in the state Senate, and I had chaired the campaign in Middle Tennessee for our governor, who was a Republican, and he had been talked into pushing forward the idea of putting a state income tax in place in Tennessee. And I said, no, I will not do it. I campaigned and said I would never support a state income tax. I said, you know, if we need to reform the tax system, let's talk about that. Or if our expenditures are too high for our revenues, let's look at that. But let's not take the easy way out and say, oh, let's just put a tax on. We don't have one. We can do this because that is not going to serve ourselves or future generations well. So I led the opposition to this, and it was a four-year battle. You know, it didn't go for four days or four weeks or months. It went for four full years. Wow. And this is the time where one of my colleagues in the state Senate referred to me as a caucus of one because (laughs) I was standing up leading that, you know, It was so hurtful at first. I thought, how dare he say such a thing? And then I just started laughing out loud. I thought, you know what? Inside these walls, inside this chamber, I may be a caucus of one. But I have thousands of Tennesseans who are standing with me against this idea of putting a state income tax in place. And after four years, we won that fight. Then we went on to amend our state constitution, added an amendment to it that says Tennessee will never have a state income tax. And now Tennessee is regularly written about and talked about as being a state one of the states in the country that has the best quality of life and also has some of the most promising uh, business prospects. It's one of the best states for locating a business in the entire country. And you have been a businesswoman. You've proved that quite the entrepreneur. You never gave up, no matter what the odds were. If you were the only woman in the room, you made it happen. That's what I loved about your book, Senator Marsha Blackburn. And now you have translated that into a platform where you can enact legislation that affects all of us statewide. One of my personal favorites and beliefs, by the way, you alluded to earlier, which is leave things in better shape than you find them. Question, how have you lived this value out in your own life and what benefits has it reaped for you personally? 
One of the things that my husband and I have always done is to say, how can we help a church, an organization, our community improve? How do you always strive and push forward? And this is just being aware of what is going on in your organizations or in your community and where there is an issue or something or someone who needs help, being willing to raise your hand and say, I can help with this and I am willing to help with this. And I think that that is so important for us to do, to just be in the moment many times with individuals or with groups or with a community. And when there is a need that is expressed to say, we can jump in here with you and walk alongside you and help to improve this. And time and again, working with charities and nonprofits, working with our church, with organizations such as Boy Scouts. This is something that we have done repeatedly, and we think it's important for each of us to do. Amen and amen. Now, in my earlier introduction of you, I mentioned Minnie Pearl and Taylor Swift. For our listeners, talk about the correlation and the dangerous role legislative pork has in destroying a good bill gone bad. Yes, well, many shortly after I moved to Nashville and developed a wonderful relationship with her and ended up some years later buying a home that had been her home and just loved the fact that as our family said, oh, this is one we're going to renovate. It is going to be our forever home. Being able to share those plans with Minnie and her husband, that was a wonderful experience in the life of our family. And Taylor Swift is someone that, um, well, let's say uh, she decided that she would come out and endorse my opponent. But in doing that endorsement, what she did was to recite the talking points of the Democrat Party about all the things she did not like about me. Talk about my legislative record in a not very glowing or fond manner. And so this is one of those things where you have to go, well, we'll just have to deal with this. And, of course, what she was accusing me of, she had some information, but not total information. And the accusations she was making were basically something I had voted for when it was in the House. It goes to the Senate. It comes back. It hardly resembles itself. And that version I voted against, that resources need to go to the domestic shelters and to dealing with the women that have been harmed and making those resources available to them. Well, Taylor decided to go on a rant against me, and it also ended up in her documentary, Miss Americana, 
But one of the things I think that is such an important lesson from this is to know that sometimes during the legislative process, bills will change to the point that the final version of that bill you cannot support. And it's not that you don't support the issue. It is that you seek to make the legislation better. Amen and amen. And I wanted our listeners to know that because President Trump is trying to get bills passed. There's a reason the Republican side are not passing certain things. And the Democrats seem to just pile on at the 11th hour horrendous things in these bills. And that, in my view, is one example of what you've just talked about. Now, how important is this upcoming election for conservative values and your thoughts, Senator Marsha Blackburn, on a Trump presidency thus far? Well, we all know that this is going to be a vitally important election. And for me, the issues of religious liberty, um, the issues of supporting our families, um, and making certain that we have pro-life legislation. You look at President Trump's record, and you see that we have one of the most pro-life, pro-religious liberty presidents that we have ever had. He has not been shy about moving our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem there in Israel. He has been very supportive of Israel. He has been incredibly pro-life and by executive order cut funding to Planned Parenthood and some of these big abortion providers who really are not doing women's health care. They are providing abortion services and that's their monetary uh, revenue stream. I think that when we look at what our expectation is of the federal government, that having President Trump there is going to be important. If you were to have a President Biden and a Vice President Kamala Harris, and probably she would end up being president, you're going to have someone who would take away your private health insurance, would give you socialized medicine, take away gas-powered cars, give you electric vehicles, take away your hamburgers, uh, somebody who would allow felons to vote from prison, illegal aliens to get health care, expand the Supreme Court, do away with the Electoral College, make D.C. and Puerto Rico states, giving them four new Democratic senators and installing a permanent Democrat majority in the U.S. Senate. Now, that is their goal. And if Biden were to win, if Vice President Biden were to win, and if they were to take the U.S. Senate, that is what they would do. In my earlier introduction of you, Senator Marsha Blackburn, we also talked about, or you alluded to, five words that make a, quote, happy warrior. And you elaborate on each in your book, The Mind of a Conservative Woman, and your mission with each, faith, family, freedom, hope, opportunity. That said, in our remaining time here today, which of the five propels you most and why? Um, I, I, I think it, it's very difficult for me to separate 
or to prioritize one. Uh, my faith is the grounding and the foundation of who I am. My family is uh, my greatest treasure and blessing and so much the center and focus of the energy that I have. Uh, freedom, we can't function or use our God-given talents and skills without it. And we are always hopeful for better tomorrows. We are hopeful because we know that God in His will reigns supreme. And opportunity, we want everyone to have access to opportunity. Equal opportunity is vitally important. And I have even said that the GOP should change Grand Old Party and have it mean Great Opportunity Party. Because that's what we want everyone to have opportunities. I love that. Last question. Thank you so much, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Abigail Adams famously admonished, quote, remember the ladies, end quote. That said, with the recent celebration of the 100th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement and the victory won granting a woman's right to vote, how important is this statement to you personally? Oh, I love that. Uh, that I say that is when the push for women's right to vote began. Is with Abigail Adams telling her husband to remember the ladies. <laughs> I really think that that is the basis of it. And, but you know, we wanted um, to recognize this, and I was so excited to do some of the work. Uh, recognizing the centennial and Susan V. Anthony, who was so instrumental in working on women's right to vote. She and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. And, you know, we just have to remember, these were conservative, godly women. And they believed in equality. They were opposed to oppression and were fighting vigorously against it. And they're the ones that stepped up to lead this fight. And it wasn't a short fight. It was a 72-year battle from the time it started at Seneca Falls, New York, to the time that it finished in Nashville, Tennessee, on August 18, 1920. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Honorable Senator Marsha Blackburn of the great state of Tennessee. Her latest must-read, The Mind of a Conservative Woman, Seeking the Best for Family and Country. You can learn more about Senator Blackburn's work, ministry, and mission by visiting blackburn.senate.gov and get her book, Get inspired and then get going in your own area of influence for the cause of Christ, our nation, our families, and yes, the future of America. You will be blessed indeed that you did. Senator Blackburn, Marsha, if I may thank you for the honor of bringing your voice to testimony for such a time as this, your wonderful read, The Mind of a Conservative Woman, is a timely and truth-telling reminder of the value and esteem all women can bring in their various arenas 
of influence and why sitting it out, staying silent, and taking the road often traveled is often not the way to true victory, as you have powerfully proven in your own life and walk of faith the number one attribute in your five-word mission, and I repeat, faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity, and, quote, the happy warrior we all can be in life and in Christ when we do. We thank you, and God bless you. Thank you so much. What a delight to join you today. Thank you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.